What is going on, friends? It is Chris. Welcome back to the Breath of Heaven podcast. Thank you for being here. I hope that these messages are encouraging to you in your walk with the Lord. In this message, this is one of the Foundations of Prayer series, and this is really the first part in this series where we move beyond our one-on-one relationship and communion in prayer with the Lord, and we start to look at standing in the gap for someone else, praying for someone else's circumstances, or for things that need to be prayed for outside of our own personal needs and personal circumstances. So I hope that this is encouraging. If intercession is new to you, I hope it's a great foundation and great start. If intercessory prayer is a normal topic for you, I hope there's some really good reminders and maybe new aspects that we can dive into with this message. Father, would you lead us and guide us deeper in our walk with you? In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7, in the latter part of it, it says, For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. In Mark 11, when Jesus is turning tables in the temple, he quotes this verse. And it says in verse 17, And he began to teach them and say to them, it is, not written my, is it not written, My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations? but you have made it a robber's den. Why a house of prayer? Why not a house of singing or of teaching? Is the church not a place for teaching, for edification, and for singing? Of course it is. So why then the distinction of God calling his house a house of prayer? We've talked a lot about prayer over the last few months. And I feel the need to constantly remind us prayer is communication. It is communion. Prayer is relationship. What is relationship without communication? It's dead. What is religion without relationship with God? It's dead. There's a quote that I really liked from a book by an author named Tyler Staten, and he says, if we really took Jesus' invitation seriously, if we really believed in the sort of prayer that Jesus is talking about, the modern church would have a hard time getting its people to do anything but pray. There was a lady in the church that I grew up at. Her name was Patty, one of the most legit people in my life, and I would still say one of the most legit people at the church to this day, still faithfully serving. We used to secretly call Patty the Yoda of prayer. She was this sweet, short little lady who like seemed to hold the power of God like no one I knew when she would pray. The authority that she carried was amazing. And she also seemed to know everything about prayer. In fact, when I was was to the point of of discussing intercession tonight, I almost called Patty and said, Patty, tell me everything that I need to share about this topic. I probably should have, but I actually, I really hope to get Patty here one day and let her share. But she's an amazing, amazing woman. She was the head intercessor. And when we would have times of harp and bowl prayer, which I'm going to share about if that's a foreign concept or if you've never heard of that before. When we would have times of prayer and worship and we would be leading worship, I've talked about Friday nights from 10 to midnight, Patty would lead the prayer team. And so we would worship, we would sing to the Lord, and she would come and she would pray and make declarations and she would gather people to go and pray and declare. This was Patty, this amazing woman. 
So fast forward years, I'm living here. I've shared quite a bit off and on about the sort of existential crisis that I went through where I was questioning everything. And I got to a point where I was super discouraged and I would say I was quite depressed. And I had no vision for where the Lord was taking us. And that was really hard for me because for any of you who know me, I am a vision person. I'm a, this is where we're going, this is where we're headed, this is what we're doing. The Lord showed me something and we're not gonna stop till we get there person, and I was in a season where I had no vision, and it was crippling to me. I felt disconnected from the Lord, and I felt completely discouraged and broken down. My mom happened to be in town, and she was like, honey, what is going on with you? You're so not yourself. And so, you know, I kind of tried my best to share and didn't really have much words to say. I I was like winded, if I could say it that way. And she said, I'm going to call Patty. And so she called Patty. She got her on the phone. I remember I was sitting on our couch. And Patty said, Chris, what's going on? And so I began to talk. And I probably got a few sentences out of my mouth. And Patty said, Chris, I know you. You are one of the most steadfast people that I have ever known. And you do not sound like you at all. This is not you. I want you to relax. And I'm going to pray. And so I did. I laid back and I rested and Patty began to pray and intercede over me. And as she interceded, I don't remember a word that she said, but it broke and it began to fall. The weight fell off of me that had been holding on to me so tightly. It wasn't the full end of my existential crisis, but there was a weight that was removed that had been somewhat suffocating me in that moment. Patty interceded over me in a moment. She stood in the gap and declared over my life who I was, what God had called me to, who he made me to be, and it broke something on my life that needed to be broken. So what is intercession? To intercede said simply is to stand in the gap or to, be, uh, to petition on behalf of someone or something. The word intercession that we use in modern English actually comes from the Latin word intercedo. And every time I look up Latin words, I think they're a joke. It's like adding uh, an O to the end of everything. But this is the word intercedo, which literally means to come between, to stand in the gap. In the Old Testament Hebrew, the word for intercession is paga, which can be defined to encounter, light upon, join, or make intercession. In the New Testament Greek, the word for intercession is ectusis, entusis. And one definition of this word is a coming together. I read a book uh, by a guy named Pete Gregg called How to Pray. And he gives kind of a graphic illustration of what intercession looks like. And he tells a story of a couple who were splitting up and getting divorced because of the husband cheating on the wife. It's kind of an intense story. And, and what he tells the story of the child, man, I'm gonna not cry, of the child grabbing both of the parents' hands and pulling them together and standing between them and saying, Daddy, say sorry to Mommy and Mommy, forgive Daddy. Intercession is standing in the gap and believing for life, believing for the promises of God. 
Scripture says that Jesus makes intercession for us. In Romans 8, verse 34, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says, Therefore he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Okay, so Jesus makes intercession for us, but what right do we have to approach the God of the universe, of which we know personally, yes, but to petition on behalf of someone else? And to take the question further, why do we need to? Why does God want us to be involved in someone else's problems, concerns, or ailments? 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, First of all, then, I urge the entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, it says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert, with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. There's an amazing quote by a guy named Richard Foster that says, If we truly love people, we will desire for them more than is within our power to give them. And this leads us to prayer. So should we ask or should we declare? If you spend time in prayer, you have come to a place where you're maybe a little uncertain of if I should be asking God for something or declaring something. Anybody else? Honey, honey's got my back here. I remember I would, I would be around a lot of people who were like powerful men and women of God and they would walk in and declare things. And I was like, I would ask for that, you know? Like, when do we declare? When do we pray for? Not to mention, Jesus actually doesn't say go around and pray for the sick. He actually says to heal the sick. That's another topic for another day. So is this something that we are asking God for out of the desire of our heart? Out of our hearts tugged to stand in the gap for someone? Or is this something taking place? Or did he give us a promise or a word to stand on? I'm going to break this down for the way that I view this. I believe it's biblical or I wouldn't share it. But this is for me the breakdown of when to ask and when to declare. Did the Holy Spirit speak to you about what you are praying for? And if so, how did he lead you to pray? Firstly, is it in line with Scripture? Is what you're praying for in line with Scripture, as we discussed in a previous message in this sort of series on prayer, are we praying in line with the heart of Jesus? So are you praying in line with Jesus' name? Do you understand scripturally what is the heart of Jesus and is the thing that you're praying for or declaring in line with his heart? Is it in line with scripture and what we see scripturally? If God said it, we can declare it. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. We get to stand in his promises. If he said it, he intends to do it. And we are simply taking our place as co-heirs and rulers on the earth to see heaven come to earth. 
Genesis 1 verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. Psalm chapter 8, 4 through 6 says, What is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. This should both humble us, that God entrusts us to speak and declare something on his behalf, and also embolden us to stand strongly with faith for God's promises to be fulfilled. Spiritual warfare. Have you ever heard someone raising money or asking people to help join with a project and they say, hey, can you donate? Can you help? Or if you can't do that, can you at least just pray? Now, I heard someone recently share about this and they were, they were bringing up, um, they were commenting on the request and pointing out that we often look at the natural remedy as more important and more powerful than the spiritual. Now, just to be super transparent, I'm pretty sure I've said that exact phrase when we've raised money for things before. Just to be clear, like when we were raising money for a record and all the things, like, hey, can you guys partner with us? Or will you at least pray for us? I don't think that's necessarily bad, but the point is, what are we actually looking and what is our hope in? Is it in people being able to join and do the best they can, which is wonderful? Or is it actually in the Lord? that he is the provider. Prayer should come first. Asking and talking to the Lord about it should come first. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. When we intercede, we are warring in the Spirit. In America, or what we would call first world countries, we don't really see angels and demons super evidently. I don't know if any of you guys have spent time in like a third world country that's far away from medical achievements and advances, but typically when you go to an impoverished nation, they see angels and demons, light and darkness, spiritual stuff a lot more evident. Okay? And that's for a handful of reasons. First of all, there are angels and demons everywhere. We live in a spiritual world. We happen to be in physical bodies on a physical earth. But we don't see it like they do. Why? Because we have doctors and medication and things. And I love doctors. I have plenty of friends who are doctors and stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. However, we often try to mask and excuse spiritual matters away by trying to explain them to the best of our ability. Whether relational, mental, financial, physical, in the countries that have, that only have the hope of spiritual answers, the spiritual world is much more evident. Some turn to darkness, others turn to Jesus, but for them it is clearer to see beyond the natural than for most of us. God, who is spirit, formed us and put us in physical bodies on the physical earth but we are still to contend for heaven to invade earth. 
for his spirit to be more evident and overtake darkness, to invite him to step into our circumstances and into our lives and the circumstances of others. Now, I want to talk about a topic that I was debating on if I even shared, and that is the topic of travail. How many of you guys know what that word means? Okay, a few. So at times, the reality of what you are praying and believing for can become so important and real that you physically feel deep sorrow and pain. Galatians 4.19 says, My children with whom I am in labor until Christ is formed in you. Travail is referred to in Scripture often in comparison to childbirth. If you've given birth naturally, which I have not, but I have been there present three times, uh, my wife is amazing, you know this feeling all too well. If you've witnessed a birth, or have at least experienced secondhand the pain and push through of birthing something, to travail is to be so strongly moved by the need or desperation for breakthrough that your body responds with tears, deep felt pain, or shaking. For some, this will sound strange, but when you believe something so strongly and feel such desperation, there will be physical reaction often. To lighten this up and give it a normal example in our everyday life, when you feel super hungry, your stomach will remind you in pain that you are longing for something to be put in your body with pain and even with groanings. At times, that you are longing for food. You physically feel that you're longing for food. If you've ever missed a friend or a loved one so deeply that you physically felt pain from the sorrow, you have some understanding of the word travail. When the things God cares about and the things that he wants us to contend for become real to us, at times we will be moved to travail. I debated if I wanted to share this as well, but a couple weeks ago, I think a few of you guys were here. I was a mess. And I don't even know if I fully want to explain what that moment looked like with me and the Lord yet, truthfully. But I was, I was in pain because of something that I'm believing the Lord for. And I'm holding him to the promise that he gave me. To the point where I was physically pained and I had like gut-wrenching crying for a long time on Friday night and I apologize because that hasn't happened like that in a long time and I didn't used to lead the meetings when that stuff would happen so I could just like hide in a corner and let someone else figure out where we go next that was not a couple weeks ago so I know it was crazy and messy but I physically for the first time in many many years could feel the travail and the pain for what I felt like the Lord had promised me and I was holding him to God you said you said until I had an encounter with the Lord and he touched me in a way that I honestly haven't felt him in a long time in that way and it was beautiful but to give some context for what that was I even had to really process but that was a moment of travail and so that's why I felt like I should share about it tonight to give context for maybe what the Lord is doing in us and in this group of people so no woman while birthing a child cares about what they look like. I promise. They might care leading up to it. They might care up to active labor. Once active labor starts, that woman could care less what you think about her. 
Could care less. Doesn't care if her makeup is running. Doesn't care how you feel like she's reacting to giving birth. A woman who's giving birth naturally, when it comes down to those final, final moments, could care less about what any other person thinks. They have one goal in that moment, and that is to get that baby out into the world at whatever cost. This, my friends, is travail. Matthew eighteen twenty. Why gather and pray and intercede? For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. Okay, so I want to share about harp and bowl because I, this is actually something I believe that the Lord is going to lead us into. Maybe not quite on Friday nights yet, but for those of you who don't know, I've shared a bit, but we are starting to do prayer on Wednesday afternoons. I know it's like the worst time if you work farther away from here, but we're starting to have prayer from 12 to 1 on Wednesdays, and I believe that we're going to take that time into a time of harp and bowl prayer. So let me explain what that means. This concept, this framework comes from Revelation uh, chapter 5. And in Revelation 5 verse 8, it says, When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. You can read that more at home. Um, this is where a lot of the like the 24-7 prayer movements have adopted the sort of models that they carry of, of prayer and worship being put together. So IHOP, for those of you who don't know IHOP, they've had 24-7 literally nonstop prayer and worship since I think 1999. They haven't had a minute that there wasn't worship and prayer happening with live instruments and people praying. So harp and bowl is prayer and worship together. What this practically looks like is often worshiping through song, praying through the time of worship. When we've hosted harp and bowl times of prayer and worship uh, in the past, often as prayers are lifted, the singers will take what's being prayed and they will spontaneously start to sing what is being prayed. So you might start with thanksgiving and worship, but often there's a prayer that is prayed of something that there is a need for or what God is doing. And then the singers often will take that and they will begin to sing on the prayer that is happening. And then from the song that's being sung, people will take what is being sung and they will pray in agreement with it. It's a really cool thing. If you've never been a part of harp and bowl style prayer, um, it's something that I believe that we're going to start to step into as a group here soon. There is something to prayer while in the midst of his tangible presence. First, we lift the name of Jesus, and then we request and declare what is on his heart. There's a guy named Walter Wink who has a quote that says, History belongs to the intercessors, those who believe and pray the future into being. So my question for us tonight is, and this is by no means all there is to know about intercession. I, so... Short about intercession, I grew up, my mom was an intercessor. I had the Patties and the Janices and all the people that only Jess knows in my life who will probably come visit sometime and it's going to be crazy and awesome. Um, but I grew up around intercessors, but I was always the worship guy. So we would, we would roll together, you know, but I would, I would lead worship, they would pray. Um, when we moved here, there was a church that we were a part of and they had said, guys, we really need intercessors. And so Jess and I were like, great, well you know, get an intercessory team together. I don't think in that time anyone had a concept for what intercession was. 
And so I remember one of the leaders in the church saying, okay, so like, like a prayer team, like at the altar, like at the end of service. And we were like, no, no, like intercession. And we realized though that it wasn't a grid for intercessory prayer. And so we ended up starting an intercessory group for, I think like a year. And we, yeah, so we had an intercessory group for a, le- a year. But quick story, I had, we were at another church back in Florida. We've not gone to that many churches. There's only a handful. It sounds like a lot. Um, we played at a ton of churches, but we actually only went to a few churches consistently. But there was a guy, and I remember he was, uh, the pastor was out of town. He was asked to pray. He was one of the intercessors. And I remember him saying, uh, and he was not from America, and he, he goes, you should pray at least eight hours a day every day. And I was like, eight hours a day. Good night, man. Like, <laughs> what? How do you mean? Like, he's like, and I was like, surely he means like be continually in prayer. And right after he was like, on your knees, eight hours a day, you pray. And I was like, God, do I even know you? Like, so, but I processed that through later and was like, my heart is worship. I could easily be like, we should all sing eight hours a day in worship. You know, like we all have different giftings. Not everybody has that intense call to be a full out intercessor. However, we are all meant to intercede for one another. But I do think that intercession is something that the Lord is stirring up with uh, our community here. So here's my question. What if we really believe again, or maybe for the first time, that God listens when we pray, and that we can actually partner with him to see heaven invade earth. Tyler State, and I'll quote again from his book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools, states, prayer is equal parts wonder and mystery, but more than anything else, prayer is a profound invitation. We don't always see immediate answers to our prayer. In fact, some prayers that we pray, we don't actually see answers for on this side of eternity. Much of walking with the Lord is mystery. But we do know that he wants us to agree with heaven and intercede just as Jesus does for us. One last note that I want to make about spiritual warfare. And call me a worship-hearted person, but... We are called to cast out demons and come against the works of the enemy. Absolutely. Just be sure not to get so wrapped up in fighting the devil that you lose your focus on Jesus. Okay? So this is huge. We are meant to cast out demons. Okay? That's the call of a Christian. Cleanse lepers. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. We're meant to kick darkness out of regions and out of places. But Jesus is first. And it's really easy to get so wrapped up sometimes in focusing on the enemy that it actually steals Jesus being celebrated. So always be careful with that. And I put a quote here, and this is something I say, but be more in love with Jesus than you are focused on Satan. So I shared briefly, but on Wednesday afternoons, for anyone who's available, we're in here. Stan and I have been praying together. Daniel's come. We've had uh, a few people in and out. And I know that that's a hard time. And I know that not everybody can make that. Totally cool. But from 12 to 1, we will be here praying. Right now, we put music on because I feel like I need to pray and not play. But the hope is as we have more musicians and singers in our community that we can actually start to do harp and bowl prayer. So we can have someone leading in worship 
and we can pray and declare what the Lord is speaking. And as he's speaking, they can pick it up and carry with it. I think it's something that we actually need to start walking in and growing in because it's time for intercession to be a part of what we do. So, let's pray. Thanks for joining us, friends. I hope that this was encouraging and inspiring to your walk with the Lord. If you want to find more about Breath of Heaven, the teachings, the dance ministry, Breath of Heaven music, if you want to donate to the ministry to help us continue to do things like this, or if you want to find out general information or reach out to us, check out breathofheaveninc.org. That's breathofheaveninc.org for all of those things. Or explore down this podcast that there's topics that we have already covered that are interesting to you, especially in this series. I, they're all labeled saying fasting or praying in the spirit or abiding. They're labeled as needed throughout this series. So if there's something that you're curious about or you're growing in or you have questions about or you want to just hear biblical insights, I invite you to explore down the podcast and check out some other messages. Friends, have a wonderful day. We'll see you in the next one.